Proverbs says, all things being equal, this is the expected outcome. I work hard, I'll get ahead. I plan well, I won't be caught short. The expected outcome, and that's exactly where our decisions lie, the expected outcome of good decisions piled on top of one another is a good outcome. of new life. Good evening, everyone. My name is John, and you're listening to A Word with God. And I'd encourage you to open your Bibles to Ruth while we continue to go through a series. Stan, what would you kind of call this series in, in general? Good choices, bad choices? Yeah, yeah. The whole decision-making thing and what comes about when I make a certain decision in my life. So what are the outcomes? Good decisions? Do they have good outcomes? Bad decisions? Do they have bad outcomes? And kind of how that all works. Yeah, and, and in God's sort of... Text, contextual of it, how, how it works into God's theories and logic, I guess. Yeah, right? yeah. This so, process. Yeah. So now in this one, I, I like what you talked about. There's, We're going to get into it a little bit more in the message itself where you're mm-hmm. going to go through the story. But you talk about a pool that you made. And I guess following instructions is probably a good thing when it comes to building a pool. In yeah, your yeah, it really was. There's these guys called engineers, and they seem to have an idea of what they're doing. And um, they're not just magical people. Well, no, no, they're not just magical people. We had we had this twelve by twenty four, which is like totally different than a round pool because the the physics work differently, and um, and it meant that if I did it their way, I was going to have to do a lot of extra digging in clay. And I thought, why not just move these holes and just put these supports a little bit in a different place? And actually, they were where they were for a specific reason, which you found out. The next morning, the pool had been filling overnight. I looked out the bedroom window, and there was water shipping over the side of the pool into the neighbor's backyard and down the driveway. And yeah, it wasn't exactly what I'd planned on. See, it's funny because, uh, and now there are instructions that for me, uh, I try to follow to the letter. Mm-hmm. But have you ever had instructions where they're written by, I guess, a sadist? Right? And, and all they want to do is just put misery into your life. Yeah. You get done the instructions. The last instruction says, now make sure in the fifth instruction, fifth step, that you did this. You yeah. You take the yeah. whole thing apart yeah. again? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not big on those ones. Yeah. Or or they've been translated from another language, and the person translating probably didn't have the best grasp of, of mm-hmm. English. And uh, you thought they meant one thing, and they actually meant something totally different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's fun how those work in in our lives, right? Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes I think that I'm just being there to learn. So you're saying plans are important. Plans are important. Instructions are important. important. And and the reason I mention this is because in for Ruth, she had real essential plans to follow. Yeah. You know, and you know it's interesting because you know I I look at Ruth in uh, in chapter three, and you know it's it's said to her by I guess Naomi. She says, okay, now when he lies down, and this is, uh, what's that guy's name again? Boaz. Boaz. When Boaz lies down, 
Note the place where he is lying. Then go uncover his feet and lie down. Yeah. He will tell you what to do. It's kind of freaky, isn't it? Uh, and then and then she says, what does she say? She just goes, I will do whatever you, you say. say. Right? And I hear yeah. this and I go, is this a cultural thing that I'm missing? Like, uncovering yeah. a guy's yeah. feet and lying down at the... Like, I, it, it, yeah. I, it's lost, but she follows it is the key. Yeah, and he knows what it means. And that's probably more important than, the, than that you and I get. He got it and he knew exactly what was happening there. Uh, it's something I do notice, though, is Naomi, up until this point, she was kind of the planless person. She Like, yeah. she was bitter. She was withdrawn. She wasn't making plans. She wasn't keeping plans. And, and it's like it took what was going on with Ruth mm-hmm. to kind of jolt her back to reality. If you want to look at an aimless, purposeless life, kind of get where Naomi is, uh, kind of in chapter two, by the end of chapter two, it's like she comes home and people are saying, glad to meet you. And it's like, yeah, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. Call me Mara. I mean, life sucks. And she's just probably one of these people that would be best not to hang around. And and so you see her drifting, aimless, uh, not able to connect with anything. And you see Ruth come along and Ruth is kind of out there doing whatever it takes. Finally, Naomi, this it just kind of like jumpstarts her life. Mm-hmm. And she begins to come up with this plan and amazing to see the results. Well, and you know, you bring up a point that I, I'm sure that the people who are listening right now would either say to themselves, I've been there. Mm-hmm. They might be in that situation even right now where they're, where they're yeah. saying, don't call me Naomi. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or they know, and like I can think of people in my own life mm-hmm. who I think to myself, how do you jolt these people back out of it? And and realistically, is there much you can do? Yeah. So you know what? How about we do this? Let's get into the message right now and uh, and find see if we can find some answers. On okay. You all look like a cat done drug you in through the back door. (laughs) Yeah, I'll stand, I guess, if I have to. You all look tired and worn out and kind of... That doesn't bode... It's like like teaching a class in school at 2 in the afternoon. That's just not something you want to do. (laughs) Well, let's uh, ask our Heavenly Father... Okay, the girl's not looking quite so weird. She had this eye thing going on where it looks like she may have had a knife underneath of her, her coat. And she's just had a little bit of a strange look to her. And start, they photoshopped her a bit the other night, so she, she's looking more normal. I think one eye's tire, higher than the other eye, though. It's still kind of a creepy look. Anyway, <laughs> note to self, <laughs> poor Rebecca. We've been bugging her about that. We have to have something to tease her about. Well, Father, you know our limitations, and you know that uh, these campers appear like they're all camped out. And so we do the only thing we can do. We come to you. And Father, uh, I know they're tired. I know they're drawn out. But we have your word in front of us and we have a feast. 
And right now, maybe our hunger is not as sharp as we wished it would be. Many are tired here tonight. Father, would you, would you, just, would you just give them some energy right now? Would you bring an electricity to this room that would have us on the edge of our seats before you, before your word, expectantly waiting to hear from the Creator? Father, I thank you for this place. It's a, it's a good place. And there are many good things that go on here, and there's a great need for refreshment in our society that just pushes it to the limit. And yet we need time for you. And so in these moments, would you speak to us from this dear book that has endeared itself to our hearts and the characters in it who really touch us at different levels? And would you speak loud and clear? And would you move us? Father, look past the sins of the one preaching and his shortcomings. No one can stand here and not feel a great sense of inadequacy. And so would you speak and empower and draw us close. And I pray that in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. They never told me I needed to bring padding last night as we were playing spoons at our table. Um, there's some pretty uh, in, in, invigorated people in our group, and um, maybe that's why we're so tired today. I could have some brain damage as well, because I'm not remembering things. I'm going like, like we were supposed to start up that song, How? Uh, where was I to come in in that song? I mean, I was just like, I was out of it tonight, and... Uh, and uh, we're all kind of looking at each other, and, uh, and, uh, and, and it's between old age and brain damage, so I, can't, I don't know which one to pick. Uh, both have their, uh, their ups, I guess. But uh, we just had a great time here and sharing the word with you, and it's been great to talk to some of you and some of you again, for that, uh, who I was able to talk to a couple of years ago. It's just been a great uh, opportunity to, uh, to get to catch up with you. Are you in Ruth? Okay. We started off the first night, and the nail there was that choices uh, move us either towards God or away from God, and we saw that, that uh, choices can lead us into spiritual drift. And spiritual drift is hard to discern. It's hard to know when we're drifting spiritually because it happens incrementally, just little bit by little bit. And uh, life is going to happen. And I put down here that we need to learn to respond, not react. And so many of us react to life's things that are not well thought out in front of us. And then uh, when we notice that we're drifting, we need to make immediate course corrections. We need to make a turnaround on those ever-made decisions and had to go back to your kids and say, bad decision. Um, Dad had a brain lapse here. We're going to go in this direction. Here's the right thing to do. And I've had to do that a number of times. 
Uh, human logic is limited. We need to have spiritual eyes. We need to beware of bitterness, and we touched a little bit on that. Uh, last night, to, or sorry, Tuesday night, we saw that when making decisions, we need to trust in God's goodness. And we talked a lot about conviction, and here's some things about conviction. It needs to flow from God's Word. It uh, needs to be laid down uh, before times of trial. Don't try and build convictions in the middle. I mean, you need to get the convictions laid down so you're ready for the trial. Uh, thirdly, convictions need to be acted upon in the small things. So when the big things of life hit, the storms, the tsunamis, the class five kind of hurricanes of life, you're ready. You're prepared. And my spiritual condition will affect my choices. We talked a little bit about it. Spiritual erosion is subtle. It's almost imperceptible. Spiritual erosion, like many cancers, by the time you figure you've got it, a lot of damage has been done. And like cancer, sometimes the cure can have some pain attached to it. I remember the last time I went in and we had chemo. They put this, it's, it's kind of like Drano they put in your bladder and they roll your, and there's nothing. You come out of the anesthetic and you're wanting some anesthetic. And you've got to be fully awake before they give you the morphine. But it feels like you're on fire inside and something is burning in your, in fact, they show you a picture afterwards and, it, and it's, just, it's just red as a beet. I mean, it is just, it, it kills all those cells on the surface. The next time it happens, they're going to give me tuberculosis so that the tuberculosis will weaken the cancer. The cancer will attack the tuberculosis and it takes them both out. The cure sometimes doesn't sound very appetizing. The cure sometimes is not palatable. And so the same with spiritual drift and wrong decisions and choices and having to go back and fix them. There's sometimes pain involved in unpleasantness. But that is far better than the outcome if you do nothing. The nothing root ends you up into trouble. Well, spiritual erosion can have some painful side effects, and we need to look to God in the matter of timing and discernment in the times that we're in. Last night, we saw that our choices have a way of compounding themselves. They build on one another. This choice lays the foundation for the next choice, lays the foundation for the next choice. There's decisions that go before it and they compound. And all things being equal, there's an expected return on continually making wise choices. That's the expected outcome. Are there exceptions to that? Yes, that's what Proverbs is all about. Proverbs says, all things being equal, this is the expected outcome. I work hard, I'll get ahead. I plan well, I won't be caught short. The expected outcome, and that's exactly where our decisions lie, the expected outcome of good decisions piled on top of one another is a good outcome. That's what I expect to see. And um, begin to move in the direction that opens up in front of you, we saw that Ruth was moving ahead and she didn't just stay at home. It may not be the door you're looking for ultimately, but it will open into other doors. So we talked a little bit about that and that hard work and good character garner goodwill, store it up, use it sparingly, and use it wisely. 
You probably have a lot more goodwill than what you realize in your life from the people around you. Stan, yeah. question for you. Where do you go to church on, say, a Sunday morning? I, I go to 112 Spadina Road West. John's the same place you go. I'm just checking. Just have you never sure. seen me there? I have seen you there, but normally like, you're speaking. I'm the guy up front speaking. I know. You did a great job of it, too. So 112 Spadina Road West, and it's Evangel. Community Church. Evangel Community Church, right close to uh, St. Mary's. It's fairly close to there. Kitchener, Ontario. think through tonight, thinking through to the outcome. I've been telling you stories about stupid things I've done in my life and um, bad decisions, bad choices. And we're going to talk about planning tonight and the place that a plan has in carrying out those those choices and looking ahead and, and building a plan of if I'm here and I need to get there, how do I do that? You need to stick to the plan. Now, when our kids were little, we bought a swimming pool because we thought a swimming pool it keeps them home and their friends are there and they are active and, and they keep busy. And it was a good deal. It was a good thing. It was the best money probably that, that we ever spent. And uh, we got this 12 by 24 above ground pool. And like they were in it from early in the morning to late at night. And uh, in fact, in the middle of the night, when dad was cheap and wouldn't run the air conditioning and the pool, uh, and they had a choice, what do you want? Well, they kept the pool and at two in the morning, we would jump out in the pool. It was, it was great. But there comes the thing of putting it in and you've got to like level the ground. And in order to level the ground, we had to drop one end about almost two feet to get it level in the backyard. And, and then there's these cross braces that come out and bands underneath. And there are these, what are these people called, Pete? Um, um, engineers. And I looked at it, and I thought, well, that's a lot of extra work having to dig all... Why don't I just drill the old holes up higher, and I'll put the braces up higher, and, and that, that, that'll save me hours of work and lots of... Di- and I don't like digging, okay? I grew up on a farm. I dug fence posts, anchor post holes. I, I just... Digging's not my friend, okay? And so I looked at this, and I thought, this, so we got it all up in a matter of a, a long weekend, and it was a Sunday morning... Uh, later that night, I had put the garden hose in because it takes all night to fill a 12 by 24 above ground pool. I looked out the window. Our bedroom was on the second floor. Something looked really strange about the pool. And I, I need to go down and take a look. And I went out and the whole one side had kind of gone over, had crumpled all those members. And the water had whooshed out into the neighbor's backyard towards his house. Following the plan, the guidelines, is really important. And if you have a plan and you've laid it down, thought it, but you don't follow it. And uh, we see here today that Ruth has some planning that's taking place. Well, actually, it's not Ruth. It's Naomi. You need to keep others in the loop. That's essential. You're going to start into something. You need to bring people alongside. We see first Naomi sees that something is happening. Verse 19. Her mother-in-law then said to her, where did you glean today? Remember she came home with a bushel of grain, like unbelievable amount of grain for a day's work. Her mother-in-law then said to her, where have you gleaned today? Where did you work? May he, may the owner who took notice of you, the guy that paid attention to you, it's obvious, 
Somebody paid attention to her, right? She wouldn't have come home with all that. Naomi, even in her spiritual condition, caught on that something was going on here. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed of Yahweh, who has not, not the guy, this is Yahweh she's talking about, okay? Not, not Boaz. This refers to Yahweh, who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living, that's them, to the dead, her family. Where was this woman at just a little bit before? God hates me. She was singing the worm song, right? I'm not going to sing that again for you. That was a one-time thing. She was singing the worm song, and now she's seeing God at work in her life. She's seeing God at work in her daughter-in-law's life. And, and all of a sudden, there's some spiritual things beginning to happen uh, in Naomi. Her view is changing. So Naomi sees that something's happening. Number two, Naomi puts together the implications. She kind of starts adding up here. Again, that again kind of tells us this is an ongoing conversation. This just didn't happen at one time. So there's this, some conversations going on between Naomi and Ruth. And Naomi said to her, uh, the man, now whether she's checked into it or whether she already knew, is our close relative. He's one of our closest relatives. Then more conversation. When you ever see those time markers it's tell you that some time is going by, things are moving. Ruth the Moabite has said, furthermore, not only that, he said to me, you should stay close to my servants until the, there's girl talk, okay? Guys, girls do this. We don't really know what's going on here in our world, but the girls do that. They, they talk to each other and tell each other what's going on. And furthermore, he said to me, you should stay close to my servants until they've finished all my harvest. Verse 22, Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it's good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids so that others do not fall upon you in the field. And we talked about that. Sometimes things were not so good for these girls. Verse 23, so she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother. She continued to look after Naomi through all that time period. So... It's important to keep others in the loop. Next, we see choices need to be built on a framework or around a framework. We need a plan. Then, after the last harvest, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security? Word security there is a resting place, a place to live, a home. Should I not seek security for you? And then it may be well with you. She's saying we need a long-term plan to bring some security into your life. And, and, and notice the movement of Naomi from self-absorbed and focused only on her things to all of a sudden she's now caring about Ruth. Truth is, though, that a secured future for Ruth would be what? Secure future for her, too. Okay, so like, I'm not sure she's like totally out of the woods yet, but at least she's going in the right direction. Details worked out. Verse 2. Now, is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maids you were? Behold, look, I've got a plan, she's kind of saying here. He winnows barley 
winnowing is cleaning the grain. So you get the sheaves, you knock the sheaves, the heads, the grain falls out. Winnowing is the cleaning part. On the threshing floor tonight, here's some practical advice that she's going to give. Wash yourself, therefore, have a bath, girl. Anoint yourself, get, get looking good. And put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. Good recommendations. Those are good recommendations if you're getting a job. Those are good recommendations if you're looking uh, to grab a girlfriend, Josh. And so, I mean, let let me just run this through with you because, I mean, here's some practical, like the Word of God. Whoever says the practical side of the Word of God is not, I mean, it it is so practical day to day. So, so, so if if you're a young man that I know and you are a young, here's, here's, if you're looking for a wife or a job, okay? Take a bath. First thing you do before you, take a bath. Comb your hair. Brush your teeth. Buy some Listerine. Girl or job, okay? Um, in our culture, get some body wash and some deodorant on. Don't go to a job interview. Don't go on a date. My wife's sitting here shaking. No, this is, I, I am using my friend. But these are very practical. Really, do you know how many people have come to job interviews for me smelling the high heaven? Look like they fell off of a turnip truck? And they're asking me to pay them money to work for me? Duh. And you know what? If, you went, if I came like that to you the first night I invited you out on a date, you wouldn't have come with me. I know you. I've been with you 38 years. Yeah, it have been thumbs down. There she is. True colors. True colors. Where, were, where was I at? Body wash, deodorant. Don't eat onions or garlic before a date or a job interview, okay? Well, you're looking for a job too. So, I mean, this could apply to both of you. But keep going here. Um, get your sister or a competent woman to help you pick out good clothes. Okay? You need that. Us guys, it, it, it fits. We wear it. Who cares? Um, here's another one. Get invited to where she's going to be. Or meet the person who has the work to offer. It's always good to be there and do these other things for practical advice. That's really what Naomi told her. Really. Very practical. Here's what we need to do, girl. Uh, we need to get you noticed. In order to get noticed, you, don't, you can't put people off. And so that's what Naomi did. And do not make yourself known to the man. Don't reveal that you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. Let him take care of his needs and be in good humor. She's not contoning getting him drunk so he'll ask her to marry him, okay? That's not what she's saying here. That's not the implication of eating and drinking. Guys, what's harder to take? Bad news or tough decisions after supper and a little bit of rest from work or right when you walk in the door at home? After. Yeah. Yeah. Again, good decision. Yes, absolutely, brother. A good decision. And uh, so don't uh, make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us this evening. Again, we're going to continue going through Ruth next week. And we'd invite you to join us, join with us for that. We're going to continue the second part of this particular message and right. the overall series 
I'm just going to call it Good Choices, Bad Choices, I guess. Okay. That sounds like a good title to me. I like it as well. So thanks for joining us this evening, everyone. Remember, don't end your day without a word with God's.